0: So tonight, by way of introduction, a little bit, so we get to know each other in the room, maybe just a little bit. No one's going to have to stand up and do anything weird, all right? But let me just do this. By way of introduction, I'd like to know, like, who's traveled the farthest to be here tonight? Now then, don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I know that no one came to Newtown to be at Crossing tonight, all right? I have no illusions of grandeur, all right? I know you're here with family. I know you're with friends and all. But let's just take this, and so let me just start here and say, how many of you? If, and if, if I call out a region you're from, you can just clap, or whistle, or stand up, or dance, or something like that, get my attention. All right? Okay. So, how many of you are, are from Philadelphia? You came from Philadelphia, you'll be here tonight. All right, we got some people Philly. How many of you would admit you're from Jersey? Wow. All right, how about North, like New England, New York, all that kind of stuff? Anyone from up there?: One of you, thank you very much. Thank you. Very good. Very good. That's great. Good, good. All right. let's go down the eastern seaboard, to Florida, Florida, anywhere all the way down there. One?, one there. Good. Good. There we go. There we go. Oh, right, that's right, two. Four, yeah. Let's go west. Right, let's go as west as. Anyone from, from here, between here and Chicago? Anyone from here? Anyone? Nobody. Somebody, maybe. Gettysburg is not sh- between here and Chicago, all right? I'm sorry. You're just trying to get, atten- you're just trying to get attention now, all right? All right, yeah, right, right, right. All right, let's move, let's move beyond that. Let's say, like, uh, let's go to California. Anybody here from California? All right. Now, then the next one, I know I got this one. See, I did this with this already in mind. Anybody here from Seattle? <laughs> you're really excited about that, aren't you? All right, all right, all right. All right, now, then, is anybody here from France? She's not here tonight. Okay, I thought I had that one in there. So, Anyone from overseas at all? Who? Where? Where are you? From Maui? Oh. Hawaii. That, that's kind of like, yeah. What are you doing here? I mean, you must have good family or something, man, all right? Who else? From where? England, England, good. All right, very good. Welcome, welcome, boy. And then who else over here? China. From China. That's all right. So like Hawaii had it, and China kind of beat you out. Anyone else? Anybody else? Anybody else further? Than... All right, all right. Well, China, you kind of like where? Oh, never no, you know, yeah. So China, you kind of get the big ring. You know, it's like, congratulations, everybody. There, can... yeah. yeah. Right so some of you had to travel a long way to be with family tonight, to be with friends, to be here with us tonight. And so let me just transition a bit, and I'll come back to this a little bit. But our theme here at Crossing for the past month has been to ponder. Um, ponder means to um, to take a concept or a thought and something, and you reflect upon it. It's like you you whirl it around in your mind. It, it means to 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 consider something by continually thinking of it. And so tonight, I want us to think about this thing. I want us to ponder how far. How far is the thought for tonight? So there are two accounts of the Gospels, uh, of, of, the, of the birth of Christ in the Gospels. One is from Matthew. The other one is from Luke. And some record, um, some of these the details in here um, are similar in both of them. And some details to the nativity, to the birth of Christ are unique to the gospel of Matthew or to the gospel of Luke. And now some people would say right there, they go, okay, well then that's proof enough, you know, you can't get your story straight. Matthew says one thing, Luke says another. Well, let me just stop right there and just pause right now. Let's just imagine this, all right? Out there at that stoplight out there, let's say you're coming from Washington Avenue, you're going to cross the bypass to come here to come to church, all right? And let's say another car, let's say it's the rights, right there, these people right here, they always come down the bypass here, and then they get stuck for an eternity at the light trying to turn left, right? Forever, right? You can go gray waiting on that light to turn left. And while you're sitting there, for those two things to happen, your, gray, your hair to garden to gray and to get across the bypass, a car comes from Silver Lake Road, barreling through the intersection and crashes. Now then. They're going to come to one of the Wright family and say, what did you see? And you're going to tell us about the accident from your vantage point sitting in the turning lane. And then they're going to come to whoever's sitting over on Washington Avenue, and they're going to say, what did you see? And you're going to talk about the accident from what you saw on Washington Avenue. You're both going to describe the same accident, but you're probably going to give a little bit different details about it. That's exactly what the Gospels are. The Gospels are four tellings of the story, the foretellings of the life of Jesus from four different perspectives. and matter of fact, not only that, but they were also written for four different audiences. And so that's why Matthew has things in it that Luke doesn't and vice versa. So now then, back to how far. These two accounts of the Nativity, they have some of the main characters in it. And so first of all, Matthew and Luke, they obviously include Mary, Joseph, and the Christ child. Here they are, right here. That's Mary, Joseph, and the Christ child. All right. And Matthew also tells us about the Magi. And then Luke tells us about announcing the birth of Christ to the shepherds. Now, there's one of the major character in our story, and that is Bethlehem, the city itself where Christ was born. Bethlehem is the center point of our story. It's the main stage. Centuries before Christ was ever conceived, before he came to earth, an old prophet named micah predicted that jesus would be born in bethlehem he says you O bethlehem land of judah are by no means least among the leaders of judah for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people israel that statement was made centuries before anything happened in bethlehem with christ So Bethlehem is at the stage of this. All the characters of our story congregate there, maybe at different times, but they all end up there. And all the lights are on that stage. All the attention is there. It sits about five and a half miles south of Jerusalem, somewhere in the city and somewhere in the center of the nation of Israel. You see it there at the bottom of our map? And to give you a little bit of size and context, Israel is most similar to the New Jersey in size. And it would say that Israel is sitting kind of in the middle of New Jersey kind of right or or rather Bethlehem is sitting it'd be kind of like where Freehold is over here just over here in Monmouth County it's not that far from us it's kind of a little bit toward the top but it's in the center of the state and of the nation and given given the requirement that all had to travel to the city from their ancestor of their ancestors and in this case it would be Bethlehem for Joseph he had to travel from Nazareth up north down to Bethlehem now this Part of our story is, is where there is no room at the inn. Everyone kind of has heard that in the story. And, that, and, and that's probably because this mass exodus of people who have all had to go to places they don't typically live, they've all come into Jerusalem, all come into Bethlehem, and they're just jammed in there. Every spare accommodation, every, every guest house, every spare accommodation in someone's home were probably in great demand. Resulting in Joseph and Mary finding a place to to call home in a manger of someone's home. In ancient Israel, animals were often kept, or most often kept, in a part of their home. It might be in a lower part, it might be off to the side, but it was still a part of the home. But it was separate from the family somewhat. And it's more than likely the case from what we know from the Gospels, that Mary and Joseph were given the manger of someone's home for them to stay in. And it was while they were there that Jesus was born. Now, let's consider how far all the players in our story had to travel to arrive in Bethlehem. We'll start out with the closest. The very closest ones would have been the shepherds. The text that Greg read for us just a few moments ago tell us that shepherds in the same region are keeping watch over their flocks by night. We don't know how far from Bethlehem they were. We can be pretty safe to assume that they were outside of the city, perhaps a few miles from the city. So they would be the closest ones to the birth of Christ. Joseph and Mary would travel the furthest, travel the next furthest, and their trip from Nazareth to Ben Salem was to Ben Salem. That would be really far. <laughs> now, but if you're coming from Nazareth, PA, that's no only about, you know. Now, how do you rebound from that? All right. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 80 miles. And you saw it a moment ago on the map. They would be traveling from, Bethleh- from Nazareth down south. They'd be traveling along the Jordan River. They'd have to go over the Judean mountains until they came right into Bethlehem. And in antiquity, in these old times, a family or a person or a, a caravan might move 20 miles a day perhaps. And this would be up and down the hills, I said, coming up the hills of Judea, um, unpaved, Stone, dirt, messy. It could be slow at times, but it could be especially slow if a pregnant woman was making the trip. And in light of that, Joseph and Mary probably were traveling maybe 10 miles an hour, 10 miles a day as they were making their trip. And it might have taken them 5 to 10 days to make the trip from the north to the south. So there would be our next ones. The next ones traveling in for our, from, to Bethlehem would be the Magi. Now, our stories and our songs call these also wise men. They're also called kings. And magi is a term that's usually translated to mean men who are experts in studying the stars. They were astronomers. And coming from the east, they were probably coming from Persia or modern-day Iraq, and meaning that they were traveling probably around eight to 900 miles to arrive. So Scripture does not say that there were three of them, but our legend and our songs have kind of led us to say that, because we have our very favorite Christmas carols that says, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we've traveled so far, and there we go. That's where we get three kings, but really we don't know that for certain. So how far? They traveled very, very far. So the winner of our little contest today would be the wise men. They would have traveled the furthest. Now, there are some that would argue that the angels probably traveled pretty far as well to arrive there, but they weren't technically in Bethlehem, all right? They were outside the city limits, so they get disqualified, all right? But let's expand our reach just a little bit. Let's expand the scope of our discussion. There are others who are aware of a baby being born in Bethlehem, but they didn't come to see the child. In Matthew 2, 1 through 6, there we read that the wise men arrive in Jerusalem and they inquire of the scholars and of the scribes about where exactly the Christ child would be born. And so they, they come together and they compare their notes and they say that it would be in Bethlehem is where the Christ child would be born. The wise men leave and they go to find the Christ child. And these Jewish scholars... They didn't go. They never left Jerusalem. One pastor wrote, The Magi knew so little, they came so far and gave so much. But the teachers of the law knew so much, were so near, and did so little. These Jewish scholars were only about five and a half miles away from Bethlehem, and they didn't go. Now, for context... Five and a half miles between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Five and a half miles from here is Washington Crossing. Five and a half miles here is approximately Richboro or Oxford Valley Mall. So it's close. Even by a walk, it's close. And yet these men didn't leave the city to go and find the Messiah. If it's that close, you wonder why they didn't. You wonder if they thought they were too far away for that. Tonight, I want to ask a question, and I want to ask the question of how far are you? Not from Bethlehem, but from Jesus. Jesus. While Bethlehem was the center spot on the map that all these people came to and everyone congregated there, they were not there because of Bethlehem. They were there because of Jesus. They'd come to see him. So instead of asking how far one might be away from Bethlehem, I want to ask the more important question tonight and ask you, how far are you from Jesus? Tonight, you're here in something that's kind of like a barn, you know, at least from the outside, And we're talking about Christ, and he is near. He is ever-present with us. And yet you can be in this room and still be millions and millions of miles away from him. Or you could be like those scholars and be ever so close and still never make the trip. By believing that Jesus, the one that we celebrate here for the holiday, by believing that Jesus, he, that he was sent by God for one purpose, for the sins of mankind, for each and every one of us to, to in this room, he was sent here to forgive the sins of mankind and to provide a way of salvation for us. John wrote in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So here we are. God loves you. And He gave His Son so that any of us in this room who believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, you've got to catch those details right there. Shall not perish but have eternal life. That means there's two options, right? Did you catch that? That means there's two options. One is to have eternal life and one is to not. One is to perish, as the text says. But God says, but I didn't send him so that all of them could be judged. He says, for God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. In other words, he sent the son so that everyone wouldn't have to perish, but that everyone could have eternal life if they believed. Strange as it is, Jesus was born to die. His life had a purpose. He, his life had a purpose, and it was to live a perfectly sinless life so that he would live that life in such a way that he could make the perfect payment for the sin of all mankind. Tonight, here on Christmas Eve, here on the very eve of the birth of Christ, I'm asking you, how far are you from him? From changing what you believe about Him and what you believe about salvation and believing that Christ died to pay for your sins so that you wouldn't have to work to do that anymore yourself. Believing that the baby that would be born tomorrow on that ancient evening in Israel, that he was born for this reason and that this reason was so that Mikey wouldn't have to work his entire life to pay for his sin, but by believing in him, his sin would be paid. He was born for that reason. And then I could go through this whole room, and I'd point out every single one of you, and I'd say, and he did that for Steve, and he did that for Lisa, and he did that for Paul, and go through the whole room and say he did that for you. And my question for you, if I were to do that, every time I say he did that for you, I'd say, how far from him are you? Recently, a couple weeks ago, I used this illustration, and I think it's worthwhile getting a redo here at Christmas time. But one of the most popular ideas is that people have lots of reasons they think they're far from God, that, that they don't need Him, that they have their own way, that they have something else. That that one of the most popular things is that there are more than one way. There are many paths to God, but they can say, "Oh, I believe in Buddha," or "I believe in Muhammad," or "I believe in in nature." I believe in positive thoughts. I believe in positive energy. And if it were possible that there were more than one way to God, then the God of the Bible is the most pathetic God there could possibly ever be. Because think about this. If he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the sins for mankind, and there was another way for man to work through his sins, what would be the point of sacrificing your son when there was another option? What would be the point of that when you could believe in Buddha or any of a number of other things that people believe in and say, I've already got myself covered. That's okay. I'm sorry you had to die for me. It really wasn't it really wasn't necessary. It was, it's okay, but I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate. Can you imagine... How incredible it would be that one person would have to die when they didn't have to, when there were other ways to heaven. Someone should have told Jesus that he didn't have to die. Tell him that they, that they, that they, they could believe in some other way, but someone could just, just say, Jesus, don't do it. You don't have to die. There's another way. You just didn't know about it, buddy. Do you think that's what happened? If you can be good enough to get into heaven through some other way or even just by being good, then God is cruel, ignorant, and pitiful because he gave up his son when he didn't have to. What was he thinking? But God knows the truth that you and I can't be good enough or work hard enough to earn our salvation. And you can answer all the questions about, you know, whether there is more than one way you can have all those discussions. All you really, what you need to do is just be in the Bible for yourself. Because what I've found is a lot of people have come to conclusions without having read the Bible for themselves. They've believed what someone else has told them. Well, that would be a a, a tragedy almost on par with Jesus sending his son to die when he didn't have to, if you believe what someone else told you and it was wrong, that someone else told you that the Bible said this or the Bible said that and it was wrong, wouldn't you want to know for yourself what it said so you could come to that conclusion for yourself, especially with something as tantamount as the difference between eternal life and perishing? Tonight, we, we really believe that. We really believe that God's Word has the answer for those eternal spiritual questions. And even beyond that, He gives us principles for living our life that really make a difference in our life and make a difference in our culture and our world. And tonight, if you've come here tonight and and you don't have a Bible of your own, then outside that door there's Bibles that you can just take one. And if you need to take one to give away to someone else, please take it. That's, That's like our gift to you, so to speak. Just take that Bible because... We believe that when you read it, you'll find the truth in there. And you'll find it for yourself, too. And if you want to come back and learn how to study it, perhaps, we're doing a thing next month in January that's just talking about how to open up Scripture and how to read it for yourself and come to conclusions for yourself about what it has to say. But my encouragement to you is don't be like those Jewish scholars of that day who were aware of Jesus, but did not do anything about Jesus. One famous preacher, one time in one of his sermons, said this. Right now, as you are hearing my voice, you might very well be hearing another voice deep in your heart. I pray that that is true here in this room tonight. And that while I'll be yelling at you and trying to keep your attention up here, there is a softer, more soft-spoken whisper that's happening inside of you, I pray for some of you. And that voice is the voice of God. That is his spirit speaking to you. That is his spirit calling to you, encouraging you, prodding you to bridge the gap between you and Jesus tonight here in this place. He is calling you, and he is very near. How far are you from him? Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in the flesh in a manger in Bethlehem. Tonight, tonight, make your heart a manger. That he would be born there in your own life for the very first time. By simply telling him, that you've come to an understanding that you need him as your savior. There is no special words. There is no form to fill out. There is no special prayer to be said. There's nothing you have to do. But in the heart of your heart, in the only way you know how to express, you've come to realization that you need Christ and you do not want to be found apart from him. And that is the very gist of it. That's what you need to say to him. Tonight, it's my prayer that if you hear that voice, that soft voice pulling on your heart, that you would respond to it tonight. And in just a second, I'm about to pray. And when I do, you can talk to him in your own words and express your need for him and ask him to meet you right there. So let me pray for us.